We are on page 12, Tayyip, and we are the second to last sentence. Page 12 of my class notes, the ones that I put out of the group. Second to last sentence, right? Just a quick apology. You noticed on the updated notes there's a repetition. My updated notes, there's a repetition. You will find that when we come to the obligatory aspects of Wudu, it's been repeated twice on my notes, right? So when we come to that, you can navigate that inshallah. In any case, the Imam he says, The Imam he says that everything which comes out from your private parts, you have to make istinja for it, right? Except for the except for passing wind. So anything that comes out of your private parts, you have to make istinja for it. Istinja here means both istinja and istijma. Because when it's used by itself, istinja, it includes both of them. Okay? So anything that comes out of the private parts, whether it's pure, okay, like a stone, for example, if a stone comes out of your private parts and it has on it najasa, the stone, then you have to make uh, istinja because of that. But if the stone came out, because the stone is tahir, it's pure, and it didn't have any wetness with it, any najas with it, it was completely dry, then there is no need for you to make istinja or istijma. Okay? Also, an exception of this rule that anything which comes out from the private parts requires you to make istijma or istinja. The Imam mentioned the exception is wind, also is money. Money is semen. Semen, okay? For the man or the woman, it's pure and you don't have to make istinja from that. But it's good, of course, to wash if that comes out. The Imam says, That if something comes out from your private parts, if something comes out from your private parts and you make wudu without removing this, then your wudu or your tayammum is not accepted. So the purification that you do is conditioned upon if you are in a situation where something came out from your private parts, you have to remove that first. <laughs> what is the evidence of this? The evidence is the hadith of Ali radiallahu anhu where he said, كُنْتُ رَجُلًا لَفَاهَا فَاسْتَحْيَيْتُ أَنْ أَسْأَلَ رَسُولُ Prayer, then it's a must for you to remove the najasa before you pray. 
So the najasa doesn't affect the wudu. The najasa of the body doesn't affect the wudu, right? But of course, nobody in their right mind would behave in such a manner to want to have najasa on their body whilst making wudu, etc. The Imam says, Babu siwak wa wudu. The chapter of the siwak and the sunnah of wudu. Yeah? The chapter of siwak and the sunnah of wudu. So siwak is is a stick which is used, okay, to clean the mouth. Yastaku is the verb, is the action of cleaning the mouth. So look at the titling of the author, Al-Hajjawi, Rahimahullah. He said the chapter of the Siwak and the Sunnah of the Wudu. What do you find on this page here? The chapter of Siwak and the Sunnah of Wudu. Siwak and the Sunnah of Wudu. Siwak in of itself is part of the Sunnah of Wudu. So why did the Imam mention separate? Exactly, so the Siwak has a lot of importance in our deen and it's important at all times, not just for Wudu. This is why the author mentioned it alongside the Sunnah of Wudu. Even though it's from the Sunnah of Wudu, he mentioned it separately to show you that it's Sunnah to use at all times, not just for the Wudu, right? So as we said, Siwak is the tool that you use to clean your mouth and the Tasawwak is the verb, okay? Wudu, the word Wudu comes from Al-Wada'at. Al-Wada'atu has the meaning of cleanliness and good appearance. They say Wajhun Wudu. So Wudu comes from Al-Wada'atu, okay? If you say Wudu, that is the action, the Dhamma. If you say Wudafatha, it's the thing Water that you make the wudu with. So wudu with the dhamma is the action. Wadu, as we will come to know later in the hadith of Uthman, is the thing that you make the wudu with. Right? Technically, its definition is Tathirul A'da al Arba'a ala wajhi maqsus. Tathirul A'da al Arba'a ala wajhi maqsus. Purifying the four limbs in a specific way. Purifying the four limbs in a specific way. They give another definition which is similar to this. They say, Washing the four limbs in a specific manner. See the difference? The first definition I gave you, Purification of the four limbs in a specific manner. The second definition said, Washing the four limbs in a specific way. Which one do you think is more correct or more better for us to use? Very good. And this is as Sheikh Ahmed Khalil said that the first one is better because not all of the body parts are washed. Like the brother mentioned to us, may Allah reward him, that you don't wash your hair. Therefore, the first one is a closer definition as mentioned by Sheikh Hassan al Da'ila. Sheikh Hassan al Da'ila in his explanation. So the Imam says that the sambuk that the sambuk, the action, should be with a stick which is soft. Munqin. Munqin, you heard this before when we were talking about removing the jasa. Munqin means that it should lead to cleanliness. Okay? It shouldn't be a type of siwak that when you use it, it causes your mouth to become more dirty. Instead of the right? So it should be munkin. Munkin means it leads to cleanliness. Ghayr mudir. Ghayr mudir means it shouldn't harm you. La and it shouldn't break apart. 
Okay, you shouldn't fall apart in your mouth. لا بإصبعه وخلقته. Nor can you mix it work with your finger or a خلقة. خلقة is a piece of cloth. Okay, so this is the reliable opinion of the madhab. Another opinion in the madhab of Ibn Qudam and others, they say you can use your finger in the absence of the siwak. You can use your finger in the absence of the siwak and you will be rewarded according to the amount of cleanliness you achieve with your finger. So in the absence of siwak, you can use your finger out and the, and the madhab is saying no. But Ibn Qudam, who is also from the major scholars of the madhab, and the major scholars of the Sunnah, he said you can. They have a rule in fiqh, they say ma, ma la yudrak kullahu, la yudrak kullahu. And sometimes they say la yudrak jullahu. Ma la yudrak kullahu. That which you cannot achieve from a thing, all of it, la yudrak kullahu. All of it then should not be left off. Okay? That which you cannot achieve from an act, all of it, then you shouldn't leave all of it off, you should do what you can. مَا لَا يُدْرَكْ كُلَّهُ مَا لَا يُدْرَكْ كُلَّهُ لَا يَدْرُكْ كُلَّهُ So Ibn Qudami said, in the absence of the siwak, you can do what? You can use the finger. Use your finger. The Imam, he says, مَسْنُونٌ كُلَّ وَقْتِهِ That it's recommended, it's sunnah at all times, right? We have in the hadith of Ahmad al-Nisari, where the Prophet said, السِّوَاك مَطْحَرَةٌ لِلْفَمْ مَطْبَاتٌ لِلْرَوْمْ that the siwak is purifying from the mouth and pleasing to your Lord. It's pleasing to your Lord. It's such an easy action. You pick up the siwak and you just do this and you get reward from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. You made Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala pleased. Okay? وَطْحَرَةٌ الْفَمْ مَرْضَاتٌ لِلْرَوْمْ But the Imam here makes an exception. He said, except for the one who's fasting after zawal. What is zawal? Good, after the sun has passed its zenith, right? The afternoon. So at this time, the Imam is saying you shouldn't use the sea work. In the hadith in Bukhari Muslim, the Prophet said, The Khalufa Famusahim Atiyahu illa. Walladhi nafsu Muhammad bi ilihi. The Khalufa Famusahim Atiyahu illa. Allahi ilihi al-Risk. By the one who has the soul of Muhammad in his hand, meaning Allah. Verily, the smell of the one who is fasting in his mouth is more beloved to Allah than the smell of musk. Right? So what is the proof from this hadith in Bukhari and Muslim for what the Imam just said? The Imam, he said that siwak shouldn't be used for the one who is fasting after sawal. So looking at this hadith I gave you, what is the proof? What is the wajjah? What is it? The way of understanding the truth. Did you say not to get rid of the smell? Exactly. Because the smell, according to this opinion, is the athar, the effect of the ibadah. Like the shaheed. The shaheed, when he dies, he's raised with his blood. He's not to be washed because you don't want to remove the athar of the ibadah. So this opinion is saying that if you use the siwak after midday, then the smell which is emanating from your mouth and is more beloved to Allah than mist, then you will remove that smell, right? So this is the opinion based on this hadith and other narrations. Ahmed, Imam Ahmed himself and Ibn Taymiyyah and others, they said, no, you can use the siwak at any time. Why? Because they said that the smell emanates not from the mouth but from the stomach. So no matter what you do to your mouth, that smell whilst fasting is not going to dissipate. 
right? And the interesting thing is that Sheikh Al-Hajjawi himself, the author of this book, the author of Zad, in Al-Iqna, he holds this opinion, okay? As mentioned by Sheikh Al-Qutlaq Jasr. What does the Imam say next? Mutta'akibun in the salah wa intibahin wa tagannun It's more stressed at the time of the prayer and when the person is waking up from sleep and when there's a change of smell or color in the mouth. So in the hadith in Bukhari Muslim, the Prophet said, And in one narration in the Kuli Salah, had it not been difficult for my Ummah, the Prophet said, I would have ordered them with the siwak at every prayer. At every prayer, right? So it's stressed in the prayer time for you to make the siwak. When is it stressed for you to use the siwak? When should I use the siwak in the prayer time? What does it mean? Before, Before the prayer. Why not during the prayer? Because we have to have khushu in the prayer, right? And movements which are not required in the prayer will take away from the khushu. That's something which is forbidden for us. So like the brother mentioned correctly, it's before the prayer, at the time of the iqamah, or before that, inshallah. And the imam is said, and when the person gets up from sleep, in Bukhari Muslim, you have the hadith of Qadayfa radiallahu anhu, who said, Kana Nabi sallallahu alayhi wa The Prophet sallallahu when he used to get up from night, he used to rub his teeth with the siwak. Yashusu means to rub his teeth with the siwak, right? And the Prophet sallallahu through his beautiful manners, he always used to do this also, even when entering upon the house, when entering upon his wives. And the amazing thing is that the smell of the Prophet was a beautiful smell. Never did he smell bad, yet still he would always use this work. Teaching us the hmm. Because many of us, when we enter upon our houses and our wives, we have that dragon proof, right? We don't keep ourselves clean. But it's something which is imperative for us to do. And Ibn Abbas Allah, said, He said, Verily, I love to beautify myself for my wife like the way I love that she beautifies herself for me. So using this work, entering upon the house, is something which is uh, very much impressive for us to do. So the Imam says, When you start that the person, when he's using this work, he goes from side to side of his mouth. And he starts from the right hand side. Right? He goes from side to side of his mouth and he starts from the right hand side. Shaykh Hamad al-Hamad, in his explanation, he said, there's nothing authentic which dictates to you how you should make the miswak in terms of side to side or up or down. So that which the dentists or the people of expertise pertaining to the mouth, that which they advise you is the one that you should do, right? Regarding starting with the right, like the Imam said, this is something which of course is recommended. So in terms of left to right uh, or up and down, we said that this is for the people of Tafsis, the people who have expertise in uh, these, these are the ones we refer to. But instead of starting from the right itself, this comes under the general heading of the hadith in Bukhari Muslim narrated by Aisha radiallahu which he said, Can the Nabi sallallahu That the Prophet used to like starting things with the right. Okay? Whether that was in his um, combing of his hair, or in putting on his shoes, his sandals, or in his purification, and all of the rest of his affairs. So the Prophet would like to start, would love to start with the right. So based upon that, 
we can say that you start with the right when it comes to completing the siwa. Which hand should you use? Both hands, right? Can you imagine? No. Which hand should you use when making the siwa? Uh, the salam? Left. Left. Anybody disagree with the shirk? Any other photo? Okay, left, sah. It's left if it's izalat al-adhan. Izalat al-adhan means if it's removing some type of harm. Like we said, it's open in your mouth, it's something it's clean in your mouth, right? Then it should be the left. But if it's not due to that, then it can be the right. Are you? The left, like we said before, is for that which is for what you generally use for cleaning al-adhan. Right, when you come from the bathroom, etc. So also again, when you're cleaning your mouth, then you use the left. If you're not doing it for cleaning, rather you're doing it for Allah's rewards, then you do it with the right and Allah's knows best. What did the Imam say next? He says, Okay, Abu Dawood and Ahmad, the hadith of Abdullah bin the Prophet he said, Except the khibban. Khibban is one day on and one day off. And tarajjul is tasrih, al-sha'ar, wa duhni. Tarajjul, this word in the hadith, which the Prophet forbade, is to comb your hair and to put some type of, not wax, because they didn't have wax, any type of grease on your hair, right? To keep your hair in place or to make it healthy, etc. So the Prophet forbade this unless it be one day on and one day off. Okay? The Prophet forbade you to comb your hair every single day and to beautify your hair every single day because this is from overdoing the luxury of this dunya and it makes the people weak you see brothers today you can't distinguish who spends more time from the mirror him or his wife one hair is out i'm not going to the party you know it's a problem overdoing it some people are like this now they have issues men a man is supposed to have a jewel but also they say if your hair is in a state that it gets messy don't comb it, then for sure you can comb it every single day. But it shouldn't be because you want to compete with those people who are put on the cosmetic magazines or all unnatural anyway. But yet, the Imam he says, It has to say in English, like you do in your eyes. Mascara, right? Mascara. You know what we mean, right? Use the mascara on your eyes, okay? So the Imam says you do this three times in the hadith of Ahmad and Abu Dawood and Ibn Majah. We have the hadith of Ibn Abbas and Allah who says, Kana and Nabi that the Prophet he used to use this mascara on his eyes, okay? Made from Ithmid um, before he would sleep. And the Prophet would do it in each one three strokes. So in each eye, three strokes. So six strokes altogether. But some of the ulama, like Sheikh Hassan al he said that you shouldn't do this if you find that you become a fitna for the women. That if you're so gorgeous and good looking, you shouldn't do this. Because in the time of Umar, there was a tabi by the name of Nasr al Hajjaj. And he was known to have really beautiful hair. His hair was amazing. So much so that the women, they would be tempted by him. So Umar forced him to shave his hair. Like this, 
But when he shaved his head, he became even more beautiful, even more handsome. So Umar had to send him to Iraq. Right? So anything, anyway, the quote from the hadith is mentioned by Sheikh Hassan Al-Dailah, and his explanation is that you should be careful of how you beautify yourself. If you're somebody that's too good looking, hold it back a bit. Hold it down. So the Imam says, And to make the tasmiyah, the basmallah in the wudu, whilst being able to remember, is why it is obligatory. You could say dhikr or you could say bukr, as mentioned by Shaykh uh, Al-Jazm. You could say dhikr or bukr, right? So the Imam here, he said that it's obligatory for you to do what? To say the basmallah in the wudu. Why is he mentioning it here? I thought we were talking about sunnah actions. Isn't that the case? We're talking about sunnah actions of wudu, and now he's mentioning what? What's going on? What do you think? Sheikh Ahmed Khalil, in his explanation, he said he's doing this to show that he differs with those who say that it's sunnah. Okay, so he's mentioning it here to show that he differs with those, which is the majority, that say that the basmala in the wudu is sunnah. That's the reason he mentioned it here. In the hadith, Collected by Imam Ahmed Abu Dawood and others, the Prophet said, "La salat liman la wudu alu, la wudu liman lam yafqus Allah Taala alayhi." There is no prayer for the one that doesn't have wudu, and there is no wudu for the one that doesn't mention the name of Allah Subhanahu Wa Taala. So this is a proof from among the many proofs of the Imam that it's wajib. The author said. He put a condition, he said that the saying the basmala is wajib, but he said with remembering. Right? So if you forget it, it's one of those things which is foregone if you forgot it. What does this mean if you forgot it? If you forgot it at the beginning, the middle, the end, what? Now I'm talking about the ruling, so how do you apply the ruling? So that Imam is telling us that it's Foregone for you if you forget it. What's the tasweer of the mas'ala? Is it at the beginning of the wudu, it's okay if you forgot it? The middle of the wudu, it's okay if you forgot it? Or at the end of the wudu, it's okay if you forgot it? Yes, after wudu has been completed and you moved away, then it's okay. But if you forgot it in the middle, then it's ahwad. It's better for you and safer for you to repeat your wudu. Right? From the beginning. If you remember in the middle, start your wudu again. But if you did it afterwards, if you remember after the wudu, then it's okay for you. Yes, Imams of the Madhab al-Khiraqi and uh, Ibn Qudama, they hold that it's mustahab. To say the wudu is something which is sunnah recommended. It's not wajib. Okay? This is the second opinion in the Madhab. And Imam Ahmed went as far as saying that nothing is really authentically reported in this matter. And no one was best. The Imam says, It's imperative, it's obligatory that the person makes the khtam, circumcision, as long as he doesn't fear for himself. In Bukhari Muslim, the hadith of Abu Hurairah, he said, the Prophet said, that there are five things from the fitrah. The fitrah is the state that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is pleased and wants you to be in. Uh, the first of them he mentioned al khitan that the first of these things is that you should be in a state of circumcision. طيب. The opinion of the madhab that it's obligatory for both men and for women. This is obligatory for both men and for women. Okay? Ibn Hudama and Ibn Ahmed himself, they said it's obligatory for the men but recommended for women. 
so it's not obligatory upon the women, according to Imam Ahmad and Ibn Mu'adham. But the other scholars of the Madhab, they say that it's obligatory upon both. Is there a logical proof that this khitan, the circumcision, is wajib for the men and not sunnah? It's obligatory for the men and not sunnah for the men. What's the logical proof that it's obligatory for a man and not sunnah for a man? Because some people say it's only sunnah. I'm asking for logical proof, not proof uh, from the Nas. What happens when you when you when somebody's going to do khitan to you? What happens to you? What happens to your clothing? Clothing gets removed, right? So your aura becomes exposed. And your aura cannot be exposed. This is something which is prohibited. So the prohibition cannot happen for a sunnah. Therefore, logically it can only happen for that which is obligatory, for that which is wajib. When should the khitan take place? The ulama they say it should take place before puberty and it becomes obligatory at the time of puberty. Okay? But for you to do before and is better for you. It's obligatory at the time of puberty, but for you to do before that is better for you. Okay? And this is one of those instances where they said that a mustahab or a sunnah is better than a wajib. So I'm saying to you, it's wajib when you become reach the age of puberty, but better for you to do beforehand. So this is one of those situations that there are not many with the uh, mustahab, it's better than the wajib. Okay? Understanding what I'm saying? And there's another one of them, for example, when you give the salam. What's the ruling of the one who gives salam? Huh? Sunnah recommended, right? Mustahab. What's the ruling of the reply? And who is better according to the hadith? The one who starts. Okay, the one who's better, the one who starts. This is another example of where Mustahab can be better than the We said, or the Imam said, that you should do the circumcision as long as, as long as what? Huh? As long as you don't fear for yourself. Now, this fear, how do I know this fear? Is it something in my mind? No, it's something which a trustworthy doctor must have told me. A trustworthy doctor that look, for you, your age, or whatever other reason, uh, you shouldn't do circumcision, okay? And it's a trustworthy doctor, it's going to harm you. And the ulama, they have a ruling fit, but they say, la wajib malaks. There's no wajib in the state of inability. And there's nothing haram in the state of being compelled. La wajib malaks. There's no obligation in the state of inability. And there's no haram uh, in the state of being compelled. The Imam says, And it's disliked to do al qaza In the hadith of Qari Muslim, in the way to Ba'd al-Umar, radiyallahu anhu, he said, Naha Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa and al-qaza. That the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa forbade you to do qaza Nobody here has qaza so I can't become. Qaza is that when you shave a part of your hair and you leave a part of your hair. How can that take place? Huh? From here? From the sides of you. Yeah, you can remove the sides. What else can you do? You can remove the middle. You can remove the front. Leaving the back. You can remove the back. Leaving the front. So all of these strange and weird things, right? Falls under this, that's not. And the reason that it's 
taken to the level of the Sabbath, the thing which takes it to the level of who is Ijma. Imam Nawi, Rahimullah said, there's Ijma on this issue that the Qaza is not coming. Okay? So that's what takes the prohibition from being prohibited to the level of what? To the level of being makhluq. When can it be haram? Qazak. We said the ruling of Qazak is makhluq, it's not. When can it be haram? Is there a situation when you have that pay cut and it can actually be haram? Rather than just being makhluq? Imitating who? Imitating the kuffar. Okay, you want to be like them, copying that, or you're imitating the Prophet whoever imitates a people, then he's often, right? So it's something prohibited to imitate that which is specific to a people. The Prophet and from the Sunnah of Wudu is to use the Siwak and to wash your hands three times. What is Sunnah? What do you understand by Sunnah in the Fiqh? Something that's recommended, but if you don't do it, you don't get it. Good, good. <laughs> okay? The one who does it is rewarded if he did it for the sake of Allah, right? And the one who leaves it is not punished. This is the definition of Sunnah in fiqh. And with this verb in particular, the verb of Udu, it means everything which is not a condition and everything which is not a wajib. Okay? Then it will be simple. So the Imam says that you wash your hands, what? Three times. And this is the hadith of Umran, Mawla Uthman, Ibn Afani, Rabbiyallahu Anhu, Bukhari Muslim, where he said, Uthman, Okay, to the end of the hadith. In any case, in the hadith of Sahih Muslim, the hadith of Mawla, Uthman ibn Affan, the servant of Uthman, who said that I saw Uthman bring some corn for some water, and then he washed his kafein three times. The kaf is from your fingertips until your wrist. Okay, from your fingertips to your wrist. This is what is recommended for you to wash at the beginning of the wudu. What can be from the wisdoms of you doing that? Why would the Prophet why would the Sharia encourage us as a sunnah of Mustahab to wash your hands three times? Because your hands are the vessel that is carrying the water. So for your hands to be clean is better for you when you are making the wudu, right? So your hands is the vessel that is carrying the water. So this is from one of the wisdoms. Then the Imam says, And it's obligatory for you to wash your hands before the wudu. So we're saying it's sunnah for you to wash your hands two times before wudu. Now we say to you, it's obligatory for you to wash your hands before wudu. If you are somebody who's got up from a sleep at night, which was deep enough to break your wudu. Remember the hadith we took a few weeks ago? The hadith of Abu Hurairah, where the Prophet said, if one of you gets up from the month's sleep, then he shouldn't put his hand into the vessel until he washes it three times. Or very he doesn't know where his hands have been. So if that's the situation, 
that's obligatory towards your hands before the wudu. Sheikh Hamad al-Hamad in his explanation of Zan al-Mustaqim, he says, this washing is separate to the wudu, therefore it doesn't have to be any close proximity of time to, to the wudu. It can be done, you know, sometime before the wudu itself, right? And again, if you forget to do this, then it's like the basana, yasqat bin It's overlooked due to, due to forgetting, right? It's overlooked due to forgetting. The Imam says, Also sunnah is for you to start with the madhmallah and the istinshah. Madhmallah is for you to move water around in your mouth in the least of ways, okay? You just swish the water around in your mouth in the least of ways. This is the madhmallah. Istinshah is that you sniff water into your nose, okay? So madhmallah is to move it around in your mouth. Istinshah is that you sniff the water into your nose. And istinshah is that you remove the water from your nose. So you have madhmallah, you have istinshah, you have istinshah. So the Imam is saying that it's sunnah for you to what? To start your wudu after washing your hands with the madhmallah and the istinshah. Imam Ibn Qayyim, he said, لم يجي الفصل بين المضمضات والاستنشاق في حديث صحيح البدر He said it never came in any authentic hadith whatsoever that there was a separation between the madhmallah and the istinshaq. It should be done in one word. Okay? According to this imam of hadith and fiqh and many other sciences. Right? The istinshaq, which is removing the water once you've blown it first, sniffed it into your nose, the istinshaq, which had to be done with the right or the left? Left. Left. Left, because it's as a, a, a fundamental, <coughs> because it's the removing of that which is uh, uh, which is harmful, right? And also this is based upon a hadith in the Sunan of Imam Musa'i and Sheikh Hamad said that the chain in that hadith is authentic. Madhumallah and Istinshaq, right? Later on in the chapter of Wudu, we will come to know that they are obligatory actions. They're not sunnah actions. So why is the Imam trying to make your head spin when he's mentioned it here in the portion pertaining to that which is sunnah? and Istinshaq is obligatory. Why is the Imam mentioning it here with the portion of things which are sunnah? No. No. Good, you're close. He's talking about it's sunnah for you to start with it. Okay, it's sunnah for you to start with the madhmadah and the istinshaq before you wash your face. Okay? But to do it is obligatory. To do both of those uh, limbs are obligatory. But to start with that is something which is sunnah as mentioned by Sheikh Mutallah Jazz. Pertaining to washing in the wudu, those limbs which are one, right? Like your head. Then it doesn't matter. Uh, how you wash that limb, whether you wash it from the left or you wash it from the right, okay? But if it's two, like your arms and your hands and your feet, then you should start with the right instead of the left, right? So, the limb which is one, your face, it doesn't matter how you wash it. Whether you start with the face first, or you start with the nose first, the mouth first, okay? But what's important 
is that you try to follow the Sunnah to the best of your ability. The Imam says, And that we make Mubalaha when you do the Matmada is the Shah. Mubalaha is that you exaggerate a little bit. Exaggerating the amount of water that you put in your mouth and your nose. Exaggerating the amount that you sniff and the amount that you swish around your mouth. Okay? This is taken from the Hadith of Abu Dawood and Tirmidhi, the Hadith of Laqid ibn Sabra, radiallahu anhu, where the Prophet said, Asbir al-Wudu, complete your wudu to the best of your ability. Isbab al-Wudu, this word Asbir al-Wudu is literally that you ensure that your limbs of the wudu are fully covered with the water that should be covered. Okay, this is Isbab al-Wudu. So he said, Asbir al-Wudu, wa khalil bayt al-Asabir, and do this between your uh, toes and your fingers. Uh, and don't exaggerate in the istinshaq, taking water into your mouth. Okay, unless you are fasting. Unless you are fasting. Why shouldn't you do it if you are fasting? Because it could break your fast, right? Go down your throat. In the hadith, the Prophet mentioned the istinshaq, but he didn't mention the madhmada. Why do you think that is? Though the ruling is for both, that you shouldn't make exaggeration in the Matmallah or the Istinshah if you are fasting. But he only mentioned Istinshah and not Matmallah. Because the Matmallah, it's easier for you to control the water. Whereas the Istinshah, when you make Mubalagha, it's more difficult for you. So it's more likely that you're going to break your fast with the Istinshah than it is the, the, uh, the Matmallah. Okay? Also from this hadith that we on, the hadith of Laqib ibn Sabra, where he said, do the exaggeration in the istinshah, unless you are fasting, right? Unless you are fasting. The, the ulama, they said, at times you can leave a sunnah in order to avoid a prohibition or to achieve an obligation. At times you can leave off a sunnah in order to avoid a prohibition or achieve an obligation. Imam Taymiyyah in his fatawa, he mentioned, for example, that ta'rif al-qulub bayn al-mu'minin, that to join the hearts of the Muslims is something which is wajib. So if you were to, in some situations, leave off the sunnah in order to achieve that objective, is this is something which is highly recommended. Okay? And Shaykh Hassan al-Da'ila, in his explanation, he said, for example, if you are praying with those who are shafi'ah, and in Fajr, in their Qamud, they make manut in the fajr, but you don't see it as being sunnah. He said, if you're praying with them, you should still do it, and you should say, I mean, why? Because in order to join the heart, and so that there's no difference of the heart. And even if you are the imam for them, and you don't hold it to be sunnah, then you should still do it for that sake. But of course, all of this requires faith. It's not just something I decide that here I should leave the sunnah, and here I shouldn't leave the sunnah. No, you need some faith, and you need to speak to people who but the point being is that at times the sunnah can be left off to avoid the prohibition or to achieve obligation. And the most important of obligations is that of joining the hearts of the believers. Are you? The Imam says also from the sunnah is what al-khatifa is to make takhleel, rubbing of the bed if it is thick. So in the hadith of Abu Dawood and Tirmidhi Uthman said, that the Prophet used to make the khil of his lahya in wudu. So the Imam said, if your lahya is khatif, 
If it's thick, then you have to do it, right? What do you do if you don't have a thick layer? If your bed is not thick, come up again in the next hour. If your bed is not thick, you should make it thick, grow it. There's something which is similar, something which is beloved to the believers. In fact, Aisha, Rabbi Allah, one of used to say, Glory be to Allah who beautified man with his bed. Right? And many times the Prophet turned away from people that didn't have their bed grown. Okay? Something which is imperative to take care of. So here, the khleed is that you take a bit of water and you rub it under, the, under your chin. Or you wet your hands and you use your hands like a comb. Okay? To rub, to rub the hair. This is sunnah. Okay? It's not a must. It's a must for you to do if you have a short pain. If your bed is short and from, from your bed you can see your skin. If the skin can be seen, then it's biotic. It's obligatory for you to rub your skin. Okay? Sunnah if you have a thick pain. Okay? Obligatory for you to rub your skin if you don't have the enough hair. Well, asabah. And to make the khleen of the asabah, to make the khleen of the fingers on the toes, right? Some say fingers are included, but in any case, to make the khleen of the toes, going back to the hadith and the hadith ibn surah that we just mentioned, right? Before the hadith we just mentioned now. So, how do you make this khleen uh, of your toes? The ulama they say, bil kins, bil khinsar, bil khinsar, min al khinsar, in al khinsar. From your little finger, with your little finger, from your little toe to your little toe. So, your left little finger. From your right toe all the way till you reach your left foot toe. The little finger, the left, on your right foot starting, your little toe all the way to the little toe of your left foot. And a tayamun. A tayamun is to do the right hand side of your washing first. To do the right hand side of your washing first, yeah? Where do we take this from? To do that, the hadith we mentioned before by Aisha when she said the Prophet used to love to start with his right. Okay, and also we have this hadith in Tilmidi and Abu Dawood that Sheikh Hamad al Hamad said that the Islam, the chain of creation, is hasan, is good in this hadith. But the Prophet said, That if you put on your clothes and you make wudu, then start with the right. Start with the right hand side of this. And this is the sunnah that is ijma'ah. There is each man that is his son. What about on your face, washing the right hand side of your face before the left hand side of your face? What about wiping the left hand side of your head, sorry, the right hand side of your head before the left hand side of your head? Is something you think is recommended? Exactly. Otherwise, the Muhammad said, "This is the kind of, this is gaining, this is making things difficult for yourself. There's no need to do that. Bring your right hand side before your left foot, okay, on the right hand side of your head to the before the left hand side of your head." He said, "It's only those limbs which are jewels." And also from the Sunnah of Udur is to take new water, okay, for the air, for the ears to take to ensure that you have. Your fingers wet before you wipe the ears by dipping them into the water. Okay. Another riwayah from Imam Ahmed, another narration from Imam Ahmed, is that this is only something which is uh, this is something which is not mustahab, but rather you should use the wetness which you have in your hands 
from after working with him. Okay? He said that the narration from Ibn Muhammad. And the second and the third washing is also something which is sunnah. The first washing of the wudu is wajib obligatory. The second and third washing is sunnah. Sheikh Mansur, in his explanation, which he entitled uh, Sheikh Mansur, in his explanation, he said this comes in four different ways. The sunnah washing comes in four different ways. The first is to do everything three times, right? The second is to do everything two times. The third is to do everything one time. The fourth is to do everything three times, except for the hands you do the two times. Right? So the sunnah washing in the wudu is either you do everything three times, either you do everything two times, either you do everything one time, either you do everything three times, except the hands you just do the two times. What if you forget and you wash the right hand three times and you do the left hand two times? Would that affect your wudu? No, it won't affect you do, okay? But of course you should try to concentrate to the best of your ability not to fall into that situation. We have in the hadith of Ahmad and Abi Dawood and Nisari where the Prophet Sallallahu is narrated by Amr ibn Shu'ayb who said, Amr ibn Shu'ayb, he said, Ja'a rajulun or Ja'a ahubiyyam ila Rasulullah Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam A Bedouin Arab came to the Prophet Sallallahu Asking him about wudu, how to make wudu. The Rabu Rasulullah So the Prophet showed him wudu three times, washing it three times each bottom part. And then the Prophet said, This is how you make wudu. And whoever goes beyond this, meaning the three times, then he has done evil, he has done wrong. He has gone beyond the bounds and he has done oppression. He shouldn't do that. It's something which is not allowed to do. To wash more than three times. Are you? We'll stop here, inshallah, before we move on to the chapter of that which is obligatory in the wudu and that which is from the description of the wudu. Because I'm super tired after driving for 15 minutes in the uh, traffic and I'm sure you guys are also. Well, that's the general reward everyone for the immense effort for trying to attend, even though all these couple of times we're trying to prevent us from doing so. Make it every now and then scale of the peace. I mean, Mustafa Allah, Muhammad, and I said anything which was correct. Inshallah, subhanahu wa ta'ala, mistakes and shortcomings from myself, which you find. And if you have any questions.